Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We often spend these 25 minutes together telling you the stories of our church, interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. Also at this time, we want to personally invite you to attend Harvest Baptist Church this weekend. We have two services Sunday morning, the first at 9 a.m., and the other at 11 a.m., and you can attend either. The usual COVID-19 safety protocols will be in place. And we also have a live stream during our 9 a.m. service, which you can find on hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, we'll be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Let's begin Harvest Time today by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Hey, half a day, Chris. We're coming back to our series this Sunday. We've been in in a few months going through the Sermon on the Mount out of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, starting the last chapter of the three, Matthew chapter 7. This will be familiar to you, probably if you have any little bit of Bible background. In fact, maybe even if you don't, you, you some of the verses that we talk about in Matthew 7 will be familiar. In fact, this is the place where Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. And that verse is used by a lot of people <laughs> for a lot of different reasons. And most of them, or at least maybe some of them, not real accurate to what Jesus was trying to say. So we're going to study that verse out and then the following verses, you know, where Jesus says, why are you worried about the speck that's in your brother's eye when you have a beam, you know, a big tree branch in your own eye? So there's some very practical things that Jesus is teaching us about relationships, about care for others. So we'd invite you to be a part of that service, either of those services, this coming Sunday. And then I don't think it's too early to also invite you to Easter Sunday services. It's just a couple of weeks out. Easter is April 4th, Sunday, April 4th. In fact, at Harvest, we're actually going to have three services that Sunday morning and we have invitations going out. We, we really would like to invite people to join us on that Sunday. So the services will be at 8 o'clock, at 9.30, and at 11. You know, for a lot of people uh, over the last few months, maybe even the last year, they've been at home and, and haven't been able or haven't gotten out to be at a church service. And things are starting to you know, come back a little bit more to normal on our island. And we just think Easter is an awesome time to invite people to come back to church. And so if you are listening and if you don't have a church home or if you're not sure where you connect, we'd really invite you to maybe come check out Harvest on on Easter Sunday morning. Uh, we have uh, a number of things that we're going to do that'll be special that Sunday, but we have a spot for you. So we'd like to invite you to be thinking about Easter Sunday morning and and maybe visiting here with us with our church family at Harvest. Well, I'm really honored, honestly, to be able to introduce a friend of mine, a missionary that has been here on our campus for our missions conference, and we want to get a chance to talk with him about his ministry. So I'm glad to introduce you guys, Joel Wagner. Joel, welcome to Harvest Time. Thank you very much. This is quite a treat for me. Well, we're glad that you're here. I want to ask you some questions about your family, about your ministry, about what God's called you to. Joel, tell me, well, maybe just begin by telling us about your family, your wife, Sarah, your five kids. 
Yes, so I'm married, uh, and we have uh, three girls and two boys. Uh, Our oldest is 13, youngest is five, and that keeps us extremely busy. My wife and and children uh, were not able to come on this trip, but are back in the States right now as we're uh, waiting for the Lord to, to reopen the door for us to get back to the field. Which we'll talk about in just a minute. Joel is a Bible translation consultant with a ministry called Bibles International, and serving in the country of Myanmar. I want to ask you a lot of questions about that. All, both of those things are very interesting to us. We've known you for a number of years now. Both of our connections were at Bibles International. And in fact, Faith and I knew you when your kids were a little bit smaller mm-hmm. than they are now. We've watched your family grow up and, uh, and really, God, mature you in your, in your time on, on the mission field. You're in the States right now. But you're really planted in the country of Myanmar, is that right? Yes, yeah. Most of our earthly possessions are still there, and so we're kind of split between two places and living in a unique place, which I'm I'm sure many people are also experiencing that kind of unsettledness and uh, what comes along with that and and, and, uh, what the Lord plans to teach us through that, I'm sure. Let's start by asking a little bit about Bible translation. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you grew up thinking, boy, I want to, you know, it's sort of a dream of mine, interested in languages, or, you know, how did God lead you to that area specifically? Yeah, it definitely was not on my radar, and thankful to see the Lord's working in my life just step by step. If I had known, I probably would have been too intimidated (laughs) uh, of my own lack of ability and so I started out just uh, being open to missions and really in the area of uh, mission aviation. I, I grew up working on a farm, you know, country boy, we say. And, and I thought, well, I could fly an airplane for the Lord or, or do something like that. And so that is quite a different field to be considering and see how the Lord uh, moved, moved us to this uh, position. In fact, I think you told me that you came out to Guam, you know, a number of years ago for a couple different reasons. But one of them was you, you were interested in in aviation and possibly centering out of here? Yes, I was a freshman in my uh, Bible college studies there at Northland, and uh, that was the major I had chosen to start out in, but was uh, praying about wherever the Lord would lead, and this opportunity came up on spring break of uh, 2003 to come and, and help as part of a team after after the hurricane. It was my first time overseas, uh, first time on an airplane, and just a really formidable time to, to meet those in ministry. At the time, this felt like, you know, the ends of the earth Hmm. to to fly out here now, not so much after living in Asia. But I'm really thankful looking back. It doesn't feel like 18 years for sure, but I have very fond memories of my first visit here. At that time, Bible translation maybe wasn't even on the radar. So what, what changed about that? Yes, those those years of Bible college were a wonderful time of the Lord uh, introducing me to many ministries, and, and I love that about missions conference. We would have that type of dynamic at Bible college, similar to what you're doing here with, with introducing many different ministries uh, to your people, and I got to meet a number of, of ministries growing up. My, my parents had introduced me to, to many missionaries, and, and I'm really thankful for just seeing that that missionaries are very normal people as far as they're not super saints. So that made them approachable, and I got to interact with a number of missionaries over those years, but it was my second year in, in Bible college then, after this this first trip to Guam, where I had all this going on in my mind about where the Lord would have me go in, in missions. 
and through godly influences of roommates and, and you know, just all the way the, the Lord works, I, I switched my major to biblical languages, which I don't think I understood <laughs> involved two years of Hebrew studies. <laughs> but, um, you know, I respected these these um, roommates that, that were in that program, and I thought, I just want to be prepared. I want to be trained to use wherever the Lord leads me. And it was that semester that I was introduced to a missionary, uh, Glenn Kerr, who's with Bibles International, came to the Bible College and was teaching. And he just took a, a Wednesday opportunity, a, a chapel service, to share what Bible translation is. And, you know, I grew up in church. I grew up knowing so many missionaries, and yet I had never heard of the, the overwhelming need in the world. Uh, at the time, the statistic was 4,000 languages that do not have uh, any printed portion of God's Word. So that blew me away, and then his passion for the work that he does really drew me in, and I had to go talk to this 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 man, and the Lord struck up a relationship that still to this day is is just one of the greatest mentoring relationships with Brother Kerr, and he's like a, um, our children call him Uncle Glenn, mm. uh, and and so that that began uh, many years ago as a mentoring relationship, and just step by step then. I had the opportunity to travel with him after another year and 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 go visit the country of of Myanmar. Uh, he was happened to be on a on a trip to do Bible translation work and and meet teams that were translating the Bible for the first time. And so I went along five weeks in Asia, got to meet these teams, really opened my eyes to uh, not just Bible translation, but what what God is doing all over the world that we had no clue about. And I love that aspect of missions, exposing us to the greatness of God's kingdom. And, and Bible translation is just one small part of that. But I felt the, the Lord's leading, the confirmation in my life that this is an area that I could serve with the training that I had. Not that I'm gifted in, in languages, which a lot of people assume, but we have great training resources available to us to make that possibility and and just step by step uh, God didn't doesn't overwhelm us I think this is part of the way he works in revealing his will he doesn't overwhelm us with the whole plan and and so we just take one step by one I, I call it a convergence hmm. of the opportunities and uh, the burdens as well and so I'm really thankful to, to see that and it continues you know that it's not just a one-time call it's it's daily surrendering to, to God's will in our lives Glenn Kerr Glenn and Becky Kerr are also you know just sweet friends of ours as well people that I look up to so much you know Glenn is a veteran Bible translator he's really invested his life mm -hmm. in Bible translation he's got an interesting backstory mm -hmm. as well Joel, you might remember this. I feels like I, I think I remember him saying that he's uh, served for a long time in Bible translation. I think at some time he told me like twenty seven languages or something like that that he had a key part mm -hmm. in scriptures into those languages for the first time over the course of his life, his ministry. Yes, I, I don't know the exact number now. I, I know he keeps track of all his workshops, and it's right. over, 30 over thirty languages. Yeah. You know, multiple. Many, many workshops with those teams in, in many continents, and speaking at least 10 of those languages right. or 10 languages that, that he's, he's learned. I will never reach those kind of levels of, of language ability, but, but God gifts us in different ways, and, 
and you know his wife kind of balances him out mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful dynamic to see but it is it is exciting to see how God brings people and then brings us together as as a um, Bible society we have people of very different personalities right. but our shared vision and and purpose for Bible translation supersedes all those differences yeah well that really is an amazing thing to think over the course of a lifetime you know Glenn I think is unusually gifted but but still to to be able to have a you know a really seminal part in over 30 people groups mm-hmm. receiving a scripture for the first time. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it just uh, phenomenal. It almost blows your mind to think about the eternal impact of something like that. And mm-hmm. that really draws me to you know your burden, both in Myanmar, but really around the world. Joel, just from your heart, tell us why this idea of getting scriptures to people that don't have them. And you said, you know, when you began, there's 4,000 people groups around mm-hmm. the world that that did not have even any part of the scripture in their yeah. language. How does that affect you? Well, I, I think of uh, passages in scripture, prophecies uh, of, of eternity that have not happened yet, but we know uh, in God's timing will happen. And, and one of those beautiful prophecies is that the knowledge of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the word of God is so instrumental. It is it is the basis of all other ministries that we do. And so I am fully committed to church planting and evangelism and, and these, these pillars of philosophy that come from the Bible, biblical uh, methodologies and missions. And how can you even really talk about church planting if you don't have a Bible? I've seen the side effects of cultural Christianity right. uh, in, in some of the most remotest places. Cultural and, Christianity, what do you mean by that? So a group that has been maybe animistic in, in, or of a different religion, and they are exposed to the gospel. Maybe uh, one of their people comes to Christ and comes back and evangelizes, and, there, and there's a great response to the gospel, but mm-hmm. generations go by, and their young people don't really know the doctrines of, of what they believe. They just do it because that's their family heritage. They would call themselves Christians, mm-hmm. right? But really no Bible to base their lives on, and, and it becomes sort of a surface. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah, and it's not just that they have to have a printed Bible, because right. uh, many cultures pass things on orally very, very well, Sure, uh, but there is no basis for their belief. And as and in the words of, of uh, some of these people that I've met, they said, we've always been Christians, mm-hmm. but no one's ever told us how to be saved. Mm-hmm. And they were just made a part of the church because that was their family heritage. And and that can be the case in any country. Sure. It, 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 you know, in my own country, I see that that rampantly people, or, or the term nominal Christian is, is means in name only. Mm-hmm. That's a danger everywhere. We're really one generation away from departing from the doctrine uh, doctrines of the Bible that, that have to be our foundation. Well, Paul said, you know, in <laughs> Romans, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Right. I mean, it really is the foundation of what we believe, and to be able to have the Scriptures in a language that people understand, you know, kind of their heart language, mm-hmm. their mother tongue, it's yeah. just so foundational to, the, to really the church planting effort. We would believe that a person can come to Christ by hearing the gospel, but in order for there to be the, the growth of the gospel in healthy churches, mm-hmm. we have to have a scripture. Yes. Yeah, the, the only way to guard the gospel and to stand up against false doctrine is to have the Bible. 
And, and so that is why we're so thankful for the privilege to be involved in a ministry that is building relationships in these areas that need a scripture. And uh, just step by step, the Lord, over years of, of Bibles International being in existence, I think since 1981 now, so we're, we're growing as a Bible society, but you learn about areas, and you work with one group, and then a group next to them finds out, and they want to work with you, and, and it just is constantly expanding. And I'm so thankful that we can be there to provide that kind of assistance. Uh, not that we're coming in and doing all the work by any means. We are not the experts in these languages we work with. I'm not a mother tongue speaker of any of them, so I am not qualified to be a translator. We need mother tongue translators who have this burden, and then we simply come alongside them to assist them, really doing something they couldn't fathom doing completely on their own with that expertise of of having walked through these steps with other um, uh, languages. Yeah, that's so interesting. Joel, let's talk about Myanmar. It's in the news a lot right now. I want to ask you about that. But just in general, tell us about how God called you to that country, Mm -hmm. how God brought your family there, what it's looked like over the last five years, Mm -hmm. something like that. And and then then we'll follow up with kind of what's going on currently. Yeah, I mentioned I had made a trip there with Glenn, and that was really the Lord's confirmation in my life for working with Bibles International. And and, uh, yes, I had been exposed to the, the ministries there in Myanmar, but really we just were willing to serve wherever the need was as far as Bible translation goes. And, and so I had to have a lot more training to be involved in something like this. And after college, I did my seminary work uh, at Bob Jones University, the, the seminary there. And so that took a number of years. And, and by the time we were ready, we just came to, to BI and we said, where, where is the need? Where can we serve? And one of the things I appreciate is that they don't assign their people to places. They want that to be a working of the Lord in their heart and, and bring together their gifting and abilities. And so at the time, the, the needs in Asia were great, uh, and, and uh, countries around Myanmar and that South Asia, Southeast Asia. And so we just started raising our support to go back to Asia and leaving that very open-ended because uh, many of these are creative access countries that you cannot get a missionary visa. And the Lord uh, waited till the very last year, a few months of our support raising process, to open the door to Myanmar where I made a trip there as part of uh, doing some workshops in, in multiple countries and the local man that, that was helping Bibles International is just one of these exciting, go-getter, dynamic personalities. And he said, just come to Myanmar. Come to Myanmar and we'll figure out all the details. Mm-hmm. You know, and there, there's, there's a lot to consider when you're moving a family <laughs> of seven, but the Lord worked through that. Right. And we said, this is the door that he's opening, and he's brought together the support structure and the advice of, of veteran people. And so we took the step in 2015 to move our family there, and we did. We, we figured out how to do housing, and you can't rent in your own name, and you can't buy a car in your own name, and uh, it's a cash-based society. Just all these cultural differences that were fascinating and, and frustrating, and we spent five years there for our first term before coming back to report to churches, and it's really amazing to look back and see all that the Lord answered as far as prayers of just getting settled and um, we, we see that ministry with all the people groups there in Myanmar as our long-term ministry. Uh, there's, there's so much exciting work, so many relationships, 
And I can't wait to get back and continue that in person. We're trying to do some now with adapting to the situation, but it's just not quite the same. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. I love, it's such an amazing story of what God's doing in Myanmar. I traveled to Myanmar back in the late 90s with my dad, and it was a very different place back then. And even in the late 90s, it was far different than it was in the 80s when my dad started going. So I've, I've been familiar and in Myanmar you know, many times. But, uh, and then I've watched, Joel, your family, those initial discussions about we really feel like God maybe has opened the door to Myanmar. And it's hard for me to believe, actually, that that was only, well, five years ago that you mm-hmm. were there. I think those discussions were happening a little bit before then. But in that time frame, BI already had a, a national team in place, and they were doing good work, mm-hmm. but... Since that time, I mean, there's a team of BI personnel that have gone there, and now it sounds like several more families are mm-hmm. going to be there. There's a translation center, including a really great building that's grown up. I mean, mm-hmm. the the ministry has matured in the last five years in a mm-hmm. way that's only what God's doing, which actually brings me to this conversation. I know that BI has felt like Yangon, as amazingly as that could be, is is maybe a new hub mm-hmm. of Bible translation ministry because mm-hmm. of the potential there. And in the last few months, I mean, first COVID and mm-hmm. now, you know, with the political turmoil, I mean, things are very complicated in Yangon and in Myanmar right now. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes, it, it really is hard to predict or even to see coming what's what's happened in just the last five weeks politically with a regime change or attempt to change and and the protesting that has uh, resisted that kind of uh, falling back into a dictator type uh, rule, which is their heritage, sadly. Mm -hmm. Uh, As as you look back on the history of that area, there's always been turmoil. And and the years that we were there were some of the most greatest progress that that country had seen uh, as they were stepping into fair elections and and there was peace um, in many areas there's there's still conflict but but greater peace and greater access which is one of the things I'm I'm so thankful to see the opportunities that opened up because of the political situation which is why I I believe it's biblical that that God calls us to pray for peace and Mm. and it can provide greater opportunities for the gospel, but also the, the tribulations provide a great testing for the locals. And, and uh, looking back at the history, I believe that's one of Myanmar's strengths. The, the local believers have been tested through some extreme difficulties. The foreigners in 50 years were blocked from, ever, from being in that country. So right. in, in our idea of missions activity had stopped, but the gospel had not stopped. And there was a foundation of local leaders that rose up and and did more effectively than we as Western missionaries could have done, and starting churches and networking together. And, I mean, they're sending missionaries and evangelizing unreached areas that go far beyond our own abilities as uh, foreign missionaries. So God has positioned the believers there to be very strong, and I don't worry for them in the sense of, their, their strength, I, I'm just certainly hurt for them right now because uh, I'm seeing very graphically what's going on in that country, and, and you can read that in the newspapers here even, but I know that God has used that in the past to 
position the believers there in a very uh, strong and healthy way of continuing the advance of the gospel. Yeah, I think Myanmar is one of the most interesting sort of case studies of missiology on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just very, very interesting things that have happened that both prove and disprove, in my opinion, mm-hmm. some things that we've thought philosophically about missions over the years. It's uh, it's really fascinating. Joel, I know your family is desiring, your stuff is still in Myanmar, your mm-hmm. life is still in Myanmar, you're hopeful. And maybe I could ask you anything we can pray about specifically as you desire to get back there. As we think about the ministries that God has privileged us to come to know, uh, we have a lot of relationships with with local believers, and we just ask the, um, that you continue to pray for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe this outpouring of uh, of prayer support will bring about great blessing. Uh, the fact that Myanmar is in the news every day all over the world and and people are sympathetic to the situation, that's resulting in maybe unprecedented level of prayer hmm. for the national church, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, so please keep praying for the uh, local believers and and for the the nationals there. It is a a dominantly uh, Buddhist country. Uh, they're very resistant to the gospel and in, in their in their worldview and religion. And this desire for freedom that they're experiencing, we should pray that that desire that they have to to have a political and, and economic freedom would show them that it's t- just temporary. Mm. That he, every human solution is going to result in in sin and, and and evil consequences. And so, pray that for the opportunities for the gospel, for open doors of because of this desire for freedom, that they would turn to the truth that freedom only comes ultimately through Jesus Christ in a relationship with him through repentance and faith. And and so those kind of, of opportunities are unique to this time. Uh, for our family, I appreciate, I appreciate you asking that. We just uh, pray for God's leading, for patience, but also to adapt mm-hmm. uh, and find new avenues. Uh, and, and we're in discussions about some ways that we could continue working in Myanmar remotely, uh, in an effective capacity, and who knows what the Lord has in store about uh, the ripple effects of that. Uh, I'm really excited to, to uh, see and just continue praying for wisdom. Well, we have good biblical precedent for this idea all through Acts of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, in locations where they're facing persecution of some sort, although this may or may not be religious persecution at its heart. It's a political issue, but it does result in the stifling, or at least restriction in some ways of the gospel. And we're to pray, and pray for our brothers and sisters that are struggling, and pray that the gospel, that would be the key, right, that the gospel would grow even through this time. Thank you, Joel, for being with us. Thank you for you and your family. Faith and I love Sarah and your kids. Thank you for being willing to go and serve in this location. And we'll pray that God would allow you to be back there as soon as possible and that God would allow your ministry to be fruitful in the meantime. So thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. And just one one thing the Lord's impressed on on me uh, these last couple of days as, as we think and pray is a quote uh, from, from uh, a missionary John Stamm who uh, gave his life in Asia serving mm-hmm. the Lord. But uh, something very concise and succinct that he said is, we need not fear the results of trusting God. Mm -hmm. 
And that step of faith, and, and along with that, he said, the faithfulness of God is the only certain thing in the world today. We need not fear the results of trusting him. That's true whether you're in Myanmar or whether you're in Guam or wherever you are in the world. So thanks, Joel. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. This week, we want to just invite you personally again to services at Harvest Baptist Church. This Sunday, two services, one at 9 a.m., the other at 11 a.m. You can attend either. The usual COVID-19 safety protocols in place. We also have a live stream at 9 a.m. at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. And this week, we'll be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time. Harvest Time.